Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first edition of the Back Row Cowboys Show, a part of the Back Row Network of Podcasts. I'm your host, Adam, and across from me, as always, my co-host, Seth. What's up? On today's episode, we'll be discussing the Cowboys' offseason moves as free agency has started. And I think leading off, we'll start off with Dak. Yeah, the biggest question of the offseason for the Cowboys was Dak Prescott, whether he would get his contract or whether he would get his franchise tag. And we found out right before free agency started that he got hit with the franchise tag, which right now, as it sits, they got by July 15th to get a contract signed, agreed upon and signed, or he's looking at a franchise tag number of between 30 and 33. That he'll be forced to play out under the year. I think there are two major holdups on this contract. One is the length of the contract, and the other is the average annual value. Dak's side has been reported to wanting a shorter contract at a market-setting per year average, whereas the Cowboys are looking to give Dak a couple extra years, more in line somewhere in between Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson. Yeah, you know it's rumored that he's he's wanting forty million dollars a year. Uh, I don't think that's quite where he's at. I think uh, you know, considering that he only has one playoff win, um, I'm thinking the number about five years, about thirty three, would be my personal opinion. To so right there in line with Wentz. Yeah, I would feel comfortable at that point because he's shown that. He can, he can take you up and down the field, but he's also struggled when Zeke is not on the field. And, you know, he did really well when when Dak, when uh, Dez was the number one, but then when he left and before Amari Cooper came, you know, he struggled a little bit. And then when Amari finally showed back, came back, came around, he... His stock went back yeah, up. Yeah, his stock went back up, and he played a whole lot better. Both teams, both sides want to get this thing taken care of. No one wants this year to be done under the franchise tag. Dak wants to hit free agency again before the age of 30. Four-year deal puts him at hitting free agency again right at 30 to catch another potential market-breaking extension. The team wants to lock Dak up through his quote-unquote prime. But Dak has shown that he functions much better when he's got a lot of pieces around him. Obviously, the offensive line is there. Our starters are all under contract through at least 2022. Zeke just got the big extension last year. Our number one is back. He's re-signed. Got a young Michael Gallup. The tight end position is looking locked down for the foreseeable future. So this offense is really ready to go. We just need to find a year and a number that Dak and the front office can agree on. Yeah, I agree. What um, what do, what do you think about the, the Amari Cooper deal? I think leading into Amari, I think – the front office decided to use the the tag on Dak. Everyone around the NFL thinks that deal is going to get done. That at some point, 
the years, the number, they're going to get them together. Both sides are probably going to give a little, maybe five years, maybe more than what Russell Wilson's making, maybe five years, 180, just to get just to get everyone back on the same page. Yeah. And I think we used the tag on Dak because the front office felt if we didn't get the deal done with Amari, we were going to lose him. Yeah, I, I agree. So let's lead that right into Amari. We re-signed Amari five years, $100 million. It's now come out that he turned down an even larger deal from one of our rivals, the Washington Redskins, five years at $110 million, which would have put him right with Julio Jones at the highest per-year salary for a wide receiver. Seth, what do you think about Dak or Amari Cooper at $20 million a year? Uh, I think they hit the nail on the head, uh, personally. I think he's, you know, as well-deserved and well-earned. Um, the fact that their skins offered him a five-year, $110 million, rumored, uh, and he turned that down, it, you know, he said the whole time. He wanted to be in Dallas. Be a mm-hmm. He's come out and said he wants to retire in Dallas. Now, most players say that they want to retire somewhere. But before free agency, when he was allowed to talk to other teams, he came out and said, my number one desired landing spot is back in Dallas. Yeah. And I think that that says a lot. Yeah, he made that, that point very clear. Uh, I mean, he, he, he helps his offense in so many different ways. And a lot of people that are going to come out and say, you know, Amari's inconsistent, he disappears in some big games. What a lot of people tend to forget is just how young Amari is. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that he ain't but 24 years old. Well, it's because he's been in the league for so long. I know. And, and a lot of people, for somebody to be in the league that long, you wouldn't think, oh, he's been in the league as long as he's only 24. He's just now entering his prime. Yeah, I mean – he does so much for the offense. He uh, well, look he, what he did for Gallup. Well, yeah, I mean he opens up the field, not only for Gallup, but it also helps Zeke in the backfield as well. Because if you got that guy that can spread the field and run any route, it it helps the whole offense as a whole. And I'm really I'm really excited about this deal. I think it's other than the Dak deal. I think the Amari deal was the best deal we could do. Was the most important deal to get locked down. Yeah. Because getting Dak and Amari back, getting that connection back, that that alpha number one, I'm in total agreement with you. I think this was the deal that needed to get done besides getting Dak back under the helm. This helps Gallup. I think Gallup is is a growing young wide receiver, but I think he excels as a number two. I don't think he's going to be a number one on any kind of pass-heavy offense or any kind of offense that is considered one of the more potent offenses in the NFL. I think Gallup right there at that number two, feasting on inferior corners, that's where he needs to be. Cooper's going to draw the coverage. They're going to roll coverage to him. He's going to catch the doubles. He's going to catch the more premier defender. And for everyone that says – you know, well, Gallup and Cooper's numbers were close. A lot of that is because of the attention that, that Cooper garners, and it shows 
what Gallup can do when he's singled up. Yeah, Amari Cooper, he's going to help everybody on the field, whether it be Gallup or even our next guy on the list, uh, and Blake Jarwin. You know, Blake Jarwin, he just got his uh, four-year extension. But, uh, 22 million. Yeah, 22, that could, 10, that could go up to 24 million with incentives. Yeah, I, uh, I really like this uh, sign as well because – it keeps our offense young. Well, well, that and, you know, our starting tight end before him was Witten. And you could always tell the difference when Witten was on the field and when Jarwin was on the field. It was when – Jarwin is the more – he's the athlete. He's the explosive playmaker. Yeah, you could see it on tape when, you know, when the ball was thrown to him, you could see the difference, you know. Jason Witten, as much as I love Jason Witten, you know I've always loved Jason Witten. He was more of the slug. You know, when he caught the ball, he was going to turn up the field a couple yards and hit the ground. Third down, Jason Witten excel. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame based off his third down accolades. But Blake Jarwin, he can change a series in one play. The way he attacks the seam the way he can attack the second level. But the one thing with Blake Jarwin that we're going to lose with losing Witten is his blocking. He's not the blocker that Witten was. Yeah, that's and that's one thing I've always said about Witten. You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, would say, well, Tony Gonzalez was the best tight end ever or Kelsey or whoever it might be in their opinion. I always thought Jason Witten personally was the best all-around tight end just because like you said uh he was able to excel he was always there on third down when you needed him um he's an outstanding blocker i mean you can put him anywhere on the field any position uh well any side of the field and you could run zeke behind him and you didn't have to worry about him missing his blocks you knew he was going to get his blocks and he was also a leader in the locker room Oh, that too. Uh, and anytime you can have a big time presence like that on the field or in the locker room, it it overall uh, makes your team a lot better. And getting back to Jarwin, um, I think the deal for Jarwin is in line. It's right there with the Amari deal. Amari at five, Jarwin at four. Zeke's got another four years. I'm guessing Dak's probably going to get something similar between four and five years. This offense is now super young, super athletic. And got a four or five year window. And has a four or five year window because all of our offensive linemen outside of our starting left guard, Connor Williams, all the rest are signed through 2024. And Connor is still under his rookie deal, so we still have some time to see where he stands in the future. But it shows that this offense, we're building with youth, we're building with athleticism, and we're trying to get a nice four or five year run with this core. Yeah. Well, um, another I got that we skipped over. You know, we meant to say before we went into the tight ends, where it was uh, Randall Cobb. Of the fact that we lost Randall Cobb, what do you think about us losing Cobb? You think he was worth? I don't personally don't think he was worth the nine million a year that he was given. But what are your takes on that? We well, went to Houston, and, and 
Bill O'Brien has not always been given the credit for making the, the smartest decisions. But Cobb, for us last year, was very consistent, and he was there when Amari was hurt and when Amari's snap share seemed to go down at the end of the year. I personally don't think Amari ever came back from that injury and was ever 100%. So for those that were down on Amari, I think you're going to see a healthy and rejuvenized. I think we still haven't seen the best Amari in a Dallas Cowboys uniform. But Cobb did stand in for him, and we were still able to move the ball with Cobb. But at $9 million a year, I don't think he was worth that price I would have went for a three year, maybe a seven a year. I don't well, I don't know that I would have went the length of three years, maybe two years. Cause he is thirty. And and it's obviously shown that we're we're building with youth. We're trying to keep this young athletic core together. And I don't think Randall Cobb he didn't fit that, especially not at nine million dollars a year. Yeah, I I think he's he was like you said, he he did really good when Amari Cooper was hurt. And, you know, he's a great route runner and a great middleman. In the slot. In the slot. I'm a Very athletic slot receiver. But, like you said, and, you know, nine million a year is just too much. And I'm happier seeing him walk than I would be. Of us paying that price. Yeah, of us paying that price. We've got some draft picks coming up. That number three wide receiver position is definitely something that we need to fill because we, we use that slot receiver quite a bit. Yeah, maybe Tavon Austin comes back and, and maybe he's in that role. They Garrett tried to make that role work for him, but it didn't, and that's why we brought Randall Cobb in. That's something that's going to have to be attacked either through free agency or the draft because we use that number three wide receiver position. And with Cooper back, with Gallup ascending – that number three position is going to get a lot of one-on-one looks. So if we can get a number three in there, that can just beat one-on-one coverage and just be that third or fourth or even fifth option for Dak. If they can beat that one-on-one coverage, they've got a chance to make some potential big plays in that offense with the coverage they're going to see. But I think we've already discussed Blake Jarwin. Now let's discuss the person he's replacing. One of I don't think we're going to lose as much on the field with this player, but I think we lose a lot in the locker room from a leadership position and just the fact that he was that veteran presence that that everyone looked to. And that player is Jason Witten. Yeah, Witten is he's he's definitely the guy in the locker room that everybody looks to. I mean, he's been around, it seems like, forever. Post-Romo, he's definitely been the leader in that locker room. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you, you have a guy on the team that's, you know, the all-time leader in touchdowns. I mean, he's got the triple crown for the Cowboys. He's got all-time leader in touchdowns, all-time leader in receptions, all-time leader in yards. First ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Famer. He's... He's perfect for the locker room. Uh, as, like you said, as far as the field goes, that is diminished. But the, the locker room aspect of it and the sideline aspect of it, you know, he's that guy that, you know. He was Mr. Consistent. Well, he was, yeah, he was Mr. Consistent, but he was also that guy that, hey, 
get that play out your head and focus he on could the he play. could he could build up the rookies. He obviously Dak had a rapport with him. Yeah. Every time it was third and four, third and five, you know, a little bit longer than we needed to, a little bit longer than we could run or trusted a running play. Dak's first read on most of those was that option route to Witten that he is going to ride to the Hall of Fame. He he took that route and did so much with it. And, and him and Dak, and even him and Romo, had a great rapport on that one route. Yeah, I, and I think him being on the team, I think it's going to show um, in, in Jarwin's play how much Witten actually helped his game having another year because, you know, Witten took another year – I took a year off, but, you know, Jarwin was there the year before he took the year off. And I think it even this year you could tell that as the when, year went on, when John was on the field, yeah, you could tell that things were starting to click, and I think Witten had a lot to do with that. At the beginning of the year, it was kind of, you know, standard operating procedure. Witten was the starter; he got the snaps, he was getting the targets, and as the year went on, as Jarwin got comfortable, as he had grown in the offense, as he had grown that trust with Dak. That snap share went up, the playmaking ability went up, and the great thing about Witten, Witten happily stepped on the sideline and propped Jarwin up. And I think that's something we're going to miss. And I think another big thing that we didn't discuss about Dak is with Witten gone, the team's going to look to him. When he gets, when the big deal gets worked out, everyone's going to now look to Dak and say, Dak, you're our leader. I mean, we, we talked about the young core and the athleticism and the building with youth and the four- or five-year window of the offense. What we didn't talk about is with all that youth, where's the veteran presence on the offensive side of the ball? Is it going to come from Travis Frederick, who's the center, and, you know – are you the Smith? Uh, Smith, I mean. Smith is now. He's the veteran guy on offense. Correct. As far as the guys that play the significant snaps, Tyron Smith is now the elder statesman, but he's never really been that vocal leader like that. So that's just, this is going to be a big year for Dak because with the money and with Witten gone, the team's going to look to Dak. Yeah. And Dak Dak's got to perform better with the money and with all the weapons back, and he's also got to take that next step and take over the locker room. And that's one of the things that they loved about him coming out of college is they loved his leadership ability, and now he finally gets to take that over outright. And can he take that and get us to the next level and get us not just to the second round of the playoffs? Can he get us to the championship game and Jerry wants more. Jerry wants that Super Bowl. Obviously, you know, we've always been in contention for the Super Bowls. Yeah. We've since been passed by two teams for the most Super Bowls. And you know Jerry loses sleep at night over that. He, he wants that number six and, and wants that number seven. And I think that's one of the reasons why now that we have the cap space – 
He's opened it up to the people that have been there and said, look, we're building with you, but I want this team to go further than they've been the last couple years. And we've shown that this this team can go somewhere. We went to the playoffs with most of this core. Now we just need to take that same core and just get them to the next level. And I think it's one of the reasons why we brought McCarthy in also. He's won a Super Bowl, perennially, perennially in the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers at the end of the Brett Favre helm. And we'll see if he's able to take us over the top with Dak, with that young core, and with Dak assuming more of that leadership position. And we'll be here to fill you in as the offseason goes on, as hopefully the Dak deal gets done. Hopefully we add some more depth at the receiver position. And we'll talk briefly about the offensive line position. Now our starters, they're all entrenched. But we have lost some depth at that position. And we are a team that builds our offense off the run first. Yeah, we lost uh, Cam Fleming, which is uh, a great swing tackle. And he played some guard for us. Yeah, he did play some guard for us, but uh, I – personally think he was better suited as a swing tackle. And he started quite a few games at left tackle when Tyron Smith's back was yeah. acting up. Uh, he started 3-18 and 18 and 3-19 and 19 for Tyron Smith. And, you know, Tyron Smith has had some, you know, his back injuries have become a concern. Now that we've lost that guy that we can just say, hey, you know, you just step in. Now, granted, his play wasn't always great. You know, Tyron Smith missed that Atlanta game, and, you know, that left tackle position was a turnstile that game, but we did lose Fleming, who has starting experience. Yeah. And, and not only him, we lost uh, Suofilo. I think that's how you name, say his name. I can't remember exactly how you say it, but, you know, he was a good interior lineman. You know, he. Played a lot of guard. Oh, yeah, a lot of, I'm, took some snaps at center. Yeah, he he covered for uh, Connor Williams two years straight uh, when he got hurt. You know, he got the, hurt at the end of the year in 2018, and then he missed most of the year in 2019. And Sula stepped in and played pretty well. He started eight games, I believe it's yeah, eight I games. Yeah, it was eight games. Um, and obviously, Zeke. In 2019, he started slow, and a lot of that, I think, was because, you know, the the holdout and training camp. But once he got comfortable again, you know, that offensive line was still very cohesive missing Connor Williams. And so he, you know, Philo stepped in, and he just did his job. He's just another one of those guys. He was a good feeling guy. And, I mean – I, I kind of understand why Fleming left. Uh, he, You know, he went to the Giants. He signed to get a one-year deal with the Giants. Following Jason Garrett, yeah, following, following Mark Jason Colombo. Following Mark Colombo. Colombo. And mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. I would have loved to have kept him. Or at least I would have loved to at least kept him if I had to choose between the two. Because I don't feel Because like of Tyron can, Smith's back. Well, that and the fact that I don't feel like that we have a – a good swing tackle on the roster now. On the roster that could, you know, cover either side. Now we do have some depth in the interior line, and one of those guys we just resigned. Seth, why don't you talk to us about Joe Looney? Joe Looney, 
I've always liked Joe Looney. I, you know, he's he's. Uh, I want to say the the class clown. You know, if you see him doing uh, during practices, he's always doing something crazy and just kind of getting the crowd in and hype and everything. And you know, he's just laid back and he keeps the mood light. Yeah, he keeps the mood light, and he's a. You know, last year he played for he started at our center position when Frederick was having his. Uh, when he missed the 2018 season. Yeah, when he missed the 28th season. I'm sorry. The 28th season, 2018 season. He uh, he played really well when uh, Frederick was out with his uh, nerve. I don't know what it's called exactly. The, you know, the nerve injury. Yeah, the nerve injury. I think he filled that role really well. And I think he was. it was very important for us to secure him for another year. I think that figure was what one year, two and a half million. Yeah, one, two and a half, two point four, somewhere, something in that area. And I believe we used our veterans' benefit on him, and we may have been the first team in the NFL to utilize that. Seth, why don't you talk to us about that benefit for a little while? Yeah, the Cowboys were the first team to use it under the new CBA. It's a new CBA tool. It's called uh, the veteran, the veteran salary benefit. You're allowed to use it twice a year, and what it does is it allows you to exclude uh, a million and a quarter off of your salary. So basically, you know, his contract said at one year for $2.4 million. But he's only counting on the books for about $1.15. Yeah, so half of that is excluded from the... And for a team that's about to invest already 30 to 33 on their starting quarterback... 20 a year on their wide receiver. Even with that $80 million a year, we've already used up a nice little chunk of it. So any change that we can save to add depth, pay our rookie class, I think that's much needed. And just kind of a side note to wrap up the offense, we did sign Cooper Rush to a one-year contract. And I think that's important because our whole quarterback room from the 2019 season is back. So the same quarterback that was backing up Dak last year is back again to back him up this year. And I think that rapport, it helps in practices, it helps in the quarterback room. As Dak's reviewing film and as film's being discussed from the games, the practices, the seven-on-sevens, it helps if you have that same guy beside you that at this point you probably both see things the same way because you've – watch so much film together, or maybe even he can show Dak something that he's missed just because how long he's played beside Dak. Yeah, and one other side, I know a lot of people don't care about the kicker position, but as Cowboy fans... 2019 was was, a little rocky with Brett Maurer. Yeah, it was. I I was glad to see him go, and we did re-sign Kyle Horvath to a one-year deal. You know, he come in for us last year. And stabilized that position. He was a perfect 10 for 10 on the year. And I I, I feel a little bit better going into this year than I did last year with Meyer about our kicking game. I think it's, it's perfect that you brought it up. You know, we lost a lot of games at the beginning of the year less than a touchdown. Because Brett Maurer was super inconsistent. As a Cowboys fan, 
I know when he came out and it was 40, 45, 50 yards, you're sitting there holding your breath. Well, how many times did we go for it just because he couldn't be trusted from that that range? Um, personally, I'm, I'm glad we got rid of him. And Kai Forbath, so far, and he's been in the league for several years, uh, so far he's he's done really good for us. And I feel better. Like I said, I feel better about it this year than I did last year. So, so to wrap up the offense, it looks like it's going to be business as usual. The general is back under the helm, Dak Prescott, whether it be under the tag or hopefully what everyone wants is to work out a long-term deal. The alpha wide receivers back in Amari Cooper. Hopefully Gallup continues to improve as that number two receiver. We've infused – we're going the youth position at tight end. We're hoping that everything that Jarwin has learned from Witten, he can take and expand on his potential and expand and use that athleticism that he's already got and that rapport he's got with Dak and take that to the next level. The offensive line is obviously intact. We still have Zeke back there. Zeke still looks good running behind that offensive line. So even though it's business as usual coming into this offseason – I'm still very – I'm very much behind this offensive unit and think that this offensive unit can help us get to the playoffs or even farther. Yeah, especially if we if we shore up that third wide receiver. If we can shore up that third wide receiver, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited where the offense is going. And, of course, McCarthy's going to put his spin on things. So it's going to live. Kellen Moore's back as offensive coordinator. Yeah, and, you know – I'm excited. I'm excited this year. That's all I got to say about that. I'm, I'm excited. Well, I think we put in our input on the offensive side of the ball. Let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball where coming into this year, Dallas had about four people that we knew we wouldn't be able to keep them all, one being Dak, another being Amari, and then two of them being on the defensive side of the ball. And – as free agency has started, we have lost both of our big-time players on defense that hit free agency. So, Seth, why don't you start us off with talking about um, the one that got the biggest deal, Byron Jones. I hated to see Byron Jones leave. I, I knew deep down that we I, we couldn't have all three of the big fish stay. But uh, I feel like he was a uh, – a trusted one-on-one guy. I mean, he could do, you know, he could play anywhere on the field, and you could put him against a number one wide out and didn't have to worry. He had the size. He had the speed. He wasn't afraid to get physical at the line of scrimmage with that press coverage. While he didn't have some of the interceptions that some of the other big-name corners get, you never had to worry when Byron Jones was matched up against another number one. But like you, Dallas, never had to worry. Man, this wideout's going to have a field day because of Byron. You know, because he's going up against Byron Jones. He very much solidified that number one corner position. That's now there's a massive hole there. Yeah, and and that's what I liked the most about him was the fact that he, he came in and did he, his job. He was never the. The, he came in and did his job. Yes, it didn't translate into turnovers, but it doesn't always have to translate into turnovers. 
to do your job the way you're supposed to do it. Also in that offense last year, it was very much a bend but don't break. That 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 defense never created turnovers. And you know, it's been known for the last four or five years. We 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 haven't been a big turnover defense anyway. I think that may be one of the reasons why the new regime decided to go in a different direction. You yeah, know, I, I was uh, very happy about that. Uh, I felt like, you know, our defense was always a bend but don't break defense, but it was it was never a turnover happy defense, and that's what I prefer to have. Flying to the ball. Yeah, and maybe that kind of defense, maybe you give up a bigger play or two here and there, but most of the time I think it turns out that it's in your benefit. The def- the NFL has shown that offenses are more up-tempo. They move at a faster pace. Everyone's trying to get up and down the, the field fast. Defenses need to adjust and do the same thing. Fast, physical, quick to the ball. You know, that big play mentality is what led two teams to the Super Bowl. You know, San Francisco, you know, that defensive line, all those sacks, all that pressure with Nick Bosa, the timely turnovers that Kansas City got, even though their teams got into some trouble, that defense would always flip that switch and create the big turnover when needed to get their offense back on the field to get them back in the game. And I would love to see Dallas have a defense that could create that timely turnover because we haven't had that the past several years under Rod Marinelli. We haven't had that since Wade Phillips. Yeah, for whatever reason, uh, the turnovers for Dallas just haven't been there. Uh, the, the the fact that we lost Byron Jones that that doesn't and yeah I just said it he doesn't turn the ball over very much but it doesn't help losing him either on your defense I think that was a product of the defense and I think it was too uh, I I think he was too big of a hole to leave open but I understand why we couldn't do it. I mean, he just signed the biggest contract in the NFL for a corner. You know, we've already signed Amari to one of the bigger deals at the wide receiver position. For the length plus the value, it is the biggest in the NFL. You know, Julio's was three at at 66. Michael Thomas is 19.5 million. You know, so Amari's already bigger than that. Of course, we've got the Dak situation to work out. So I don't think there was any way that we were going to be able to keep Jones, Cooper, and Dak. So yeah, I think we both agree on that. I think um, he was he was just too big a fish to try to keep in the pond. And another big player that we lost on defense that just signed with the Chicago Bears is Robert Quinn. That opens up another massive hole on the defense. So, Seth, why don't you talk to us about Robert Quinn and some of the impact he had on the defense last year. Man, that was huge. Five years, $70 million. I I don't think anyone saw that coming. I I didn't see that. I was looking more like 
three years, 10 to 12 a year maybe. Five for 70. Chicago also has the benefit of having some younger players still playing on their rookie contracts. Obviously, our big-name players are coming off their rookie contracts, and we're so we couldn't bid against them for Robert Quinn either. Yeah, and he was, I mean, statistically, he was our, he was by far our better defensive lineman. When well, compared to Tank imp- Lawrence. Yeah, our our biggest impact player, maybe I should put it, on the field last year. You know, he uh, he was leader in sacks. He was leader in quarterback hits, leader in pressures. I mean, he was he was our dude that he looked the in the back. He looked fantastic across from Tank Lawrence. Well, especially since they said he was, had a down year, a couple of down years before coming to Dallas. And the fact that we only had to give up a sixth-round pick and got the production that we got out of him, hey, I'll take that all day. Um, but it does leave a glaring hole at the defensive end position. And, you know, just like with Byron Jones, at least with Byron Jones, there's still some young talent. Do I think Cheeky Adobe is a one? No. Do I think Jordan Lewis is a one? Also, No. But there are some, there is some young talent with some experience that can come in and try to fill that role. But at that defensive end position, there's just no one there. Uh, I I personally I think it's easier to fill in the defensive end spot than it is the corner spot. But uh, I'm I'm with you. Uh, there's nobody out there to that can create that production over again. I mean, you got players like Clowney out there, and you got people like Griffin out there. Clowney is going to get more than what Robert Quinn got. Well, yeah, but it's also going to cost a lot more to sign him, and I, I don't think it's worth it. I think Everson Griffin's stock is down just a little bit from Minnesota. I would love if we could give him... Kind of that prove-it deal that we gave Robert Quinn. I would love it if we could give him a multi-year deal. But I think Everson Griffin, Everson Griffith, with how young he is, is going to look to get probably a one-year deal, rebuild his stock, probably like Robert Quinn did. Yeah, for him it's definitely going to be a a rental-type deal. You're looking at a one-year, like you said, prove-it deal, and then – he's going to look for that big contract. I think um, we've talked about the fact that, you know, we've now got some holes to fill at the corner and at the defensive end position. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit and say that I think it's harder. Both positions are hard to fill. Yeah. But we've tried to go the defensive end route. You know, we we took Taco Charlton in the first round, and I was – stoked to get Taco Charlton. You know, there was rumors, was it going to be T.J. Watt or was it going to be Taco? I always thought Watt was going to be a better 3-4 linebacker, which is obvious, you know, that's proved to be right if you see the impact he's making um, in Pittsburgh. And I thought that Taco was going to be the more natural 4-3 defensive end. Now, obviously, 
that hasn't shown to be the case in Dallas is well, if you look at it from the corner standpoint as well though you know before Byron Jones we had Claiborne well Clay you know we we spent a high, we traded up took a high pick for Claiborne he didn't work out then you bring Byron Jones all right you spend another first round pick to bring in Byron Jones he and he stayed healthy you know, he was always... He got better every year. He got better every year. And just the fact that you got to see him walk, man. In his prime. Whereas with our offense, we've shown that we want to keep that young talent and let them grow together. So, I mean, it, it, it hurts to see Jones leave knowing that the stance that we've taken on offense we had to let a player of that same caliber on defense walk. Yeah, and it actually ended up turning into two players but with Quinn leaving too, but um, it is what it is. And let's, move on. let's move on to the linebacker position where we actually do have a signing and we actually have someone back in uniform. Great mentor player, Sean Lee. I've always loved, I've loved Sean Lee since day one. The injuries have always – hurt his career a little bit but he's always been effective on the field when he was on the field and even now you know he's kind of stepped aside and Jalen Smith and LBE is they've taken the helm as the dynamic duo at linebacker but Sean Lee can also play all three positions and has played all three positions in his career so even if he's not going to play significant snaps if we play more in the nickel than we do in the base defense. I think that that signing was so big because he can back up at either position, and obviously LVE had some injury concerns last year, and Jalen Smith had some injury concerns in college. And so I think it's just good insurance at both positions, and if we do need three down linebackers on the field at one time, Sean Lee's not going to hurt you. Yeah, and I think at four and a half, I I think he's worth it. Um, Just from the experience standpoint, like, you know, a lot of people forget that, you know, the older experienced players, even though their time might be coming to an end, there's so much value to mentor these other players. Well, we're also moving into a new defense. You know, we, we spoke we spoke at the beginning of our defense. Rod Marinelli, Chris Richards are out. Chris Richards out. Mike Nolan's in. Who better than Sean Lee to help be basically another coach, but in uniform to help understand this defense? And at a cheap price as well. That was four and a half yeah, million. One year, four and a half mil. I think we're both in agreement that that Sean Lee is was a good signing, a good depth signing, and should we need him, he's not going to hurt us on defense. So let's move to the secondary. And while we lost Byron Jones, why don't we talk about some of the players we kept and signed? Well, a new sign that we brought in was Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Uh, you know, he he was drafted and played for McCarthy, so this is not uh, a huge surprise. 
He was also a pro bowler under McCarthy. Yeah, he, yes, he was. Uh, uh, last year, he he had a couple picks last year, and uh, I think it was, what, five pass deflections and, like, 80 tackles. And that was for Chicago on a one-year deal. This is another one-year deal. Yeah. Four million. Two and a half guaranteed. Now, yeah. you and I both wanted ha-ha Clint Dixon – uh, 2014. I remember watching the draft. We were coming up to pick, and we both knew that there was a hole at the safety position. And we both wanted uh, Clint Dix. So while we're not getting him in 2014, we are getting him in 2020. And I still think it's something to be excited about. He's a sure tackler. He can make the, the game-changing play on defense. He's not a superstar, but he does his job. He's, he's better than he. Uh, Who around. we lost yeah. to the Las Vegas Raiders, but if if losing Heath meant that we were able to bring in Ha Ha Clinton Dix, I still think that's an upgrade at the position. Yeah, uh, Clinton's uh, he's by far the better all around player. I think the only thing that Heath had on him, I think Heath put his body on the line a little bit more. I think he. He threw his body around the field a lot, and he wasn't afraid to make the big hit. Well, he was also undersized, so he kind of had to throw his yeah. body at people, whereas Clint Dix is the more traditional size safety. So when he throws himself at a player, you don't have to worry about getting him getting hurt and staying down the way you did with Heath. Yeah. Uh, I haven't said it. Uh, Dix is definitely a better Safety to have on your roster, and I'm 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 like you, you know. We wanted him in the draft. We finally got him. It's six years down the road, but I still think he has something to give, and I'm excited about the thought of him playing beside a player that started last year, and he he made some plays on defense. He made. The few impact turnovers and big plays that we had come out of that secondary were made by Xavier Woods. I'm very intrigued at the thought of Xavier Woods at one safety position and Ha Ha Clinton Dix lining up beside him at the other. So, Seth, why don't you talk to us a little bit about uh, Xavier Woods? Uh, yeah, I really like Xavier Woods. Uh, you know, he had a, a, some injury issues last year. He's another undersized safety. But when he's on the field, it, his presence just is so big. He's shown the ability. You know, we talked about the defense making that game-changing play. The offense is, let's say, down less than a touchdown. The crowd's fading. You need someone to step up and make that play. Xavier Woods showed on several occasions last year that he could make that play. So if you put him beside the steady presence of a ha-ha Clint Dix and ha-ha Clint Dix can hopefully mentor him and help him take his game to the next level because at least we've seen some raw potential with Xavier Woods. So I'm intrigued at both of those players playing beside each other, and there's also a third player at that safety position that started some games at the end of last year when Woods got hurt that has shown that he can step in, start, and while he wasn't the 
playmaker that Woods was, he was still a steady presence. And that's Darian Thompson that we re-signed for a two-year deal at $2.5 million. Seth, why don't you give us just some brief thoughts on Darian Thompson? Yeah, I think he's a, uh, a good player. I think he's a good fill-in player. I don't know that he's necessarily a starter. Um, like you said, he played really well last year when Xavier Woods got hurt. But you also mentioned the fact that he does play both positions. And even at, even if he doesn't start, he's a good depth player to have because you can put him at a lot of teams are, are utilizing that third safety. You know, a lot of people, when they go nickel, instead of bringing in a nickel corner, they're using that third safety. And if we, we've we already discussed that we have some cornerback depth problems. Yeah. Maybe our nickel next year is three safeties and two corners. And Xavier Woods played some corner in college. So maybe he slots down and fills in that slot role and it's, Ha Ha Clinton Dix and Darian Thompson on the backside playing safety. I think the fact that he's played both positions, the fact that he's shown to be a sure tackler, he offers us some position versatility, which is something that we need right now as we're trying to fill in holes at other positions. Yeah, that, that whole secondary, we need those position players that can jump from position to position to to secure some depth. And I will say Cheeky Adobe and Jordan Lewis, we, we talked to briefly how neither of us is 100% sure that they're a number one. They have both shown the ability to play inside and outside. So at least from a secondary perspective, we're at least showing that we want position versatility. Yeah. I trust the front office. I trust the coaching staff to figure the number one corner out hopefully to bring in someone else that can bring some pass rush opposite Tank Lawrence. But I am encouraged, at least at the position versatility in the secondary, while we try to figure out how to fill the big holes left by Robert Quinn and Byron Jones. Well, let's not forget, you know, the secondary, we did re-sign Antonio Brown. I mean, Anthony Brown. To a three-year, fifteen million dollar deal. I've all, I've always liked and Anthony Brown. I I think he's that bend but don't break guy. I think he's a great middleman or inside guy. Uh, and I don't think he's a one, but I think you could you could put him out there and he's not going to lose the game for you. He he might need some help. You might need to roll the safety to the side a little bit with some help, but. I think he's good enough, and I think he was worth. And only being 26 years old, too, I mean, he's he's still in his prime, too. and I, I think that was a great signing as well. He's definitely shown that he can play inside, he can play outside. Even as the Jordan Lewis came in, as the Cheeky Adobe came in, and jumped him on the depth chart, Brown's that guy that just came in and did his job. There was never a lot of rumblings in the locker room. And while we try to figure out how to fill these holes, he's a guy that's going to come in and do his job. And I think we've shown that we're willing to go all in a little bit more on offense than defense. So if we have guys on defense that are just going to come in and say, hey, I'm going to do my job. I'm not going to 
I'm not going to lose this game because of my play at this position. Unfortunately, in the NFL today, you can't pay everyone. You know, you've got to make your choices here and there. And I think while we made our two big choices with Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper, our signings on defense, I don't think any of them have hurt the team. You know, obviously we've lost some big-time players at the defensive end position and at the corner position, but we were able to keep some guys or even sign some guys that are going to step in, do their job, and hopefully we can find someone to fill in the holes at the other two positions. Or maybe the coaching staff just likes that much what they've seen from Cheeky Adobe and Jordan Lewis. Maybe they're both ready to take that next step, and the coaching staff thinks they can do that, so you just sign the steady presence and Anthony Brown to just come in and just do his job. And, you know, speaking of uh, uh, filling guys, I want to talk about our interior defensive line. You know, we just got uh, Jerry McCoy on a three-year deal. What are your thoughts on that signing? Now, he's not to Gerald McCoy that used to change games in Tampa Bay. No, he's not. But we lost Malik Collins. We lost him to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, you know, the third Cowboy that we've talked about losing that have gone to Las Vegas Raiders, Jason Witten, Jeff Heath, Malik Collins. But I think Gerald McCoy is still good enough that he can step in and play that three technique and be successful, especially if Tank Lawrence goes back to his form from two years ago before he signed the contract extension. If he can go back to being the person that offensive coordinators have to scheme against, then I think Gerald McCoy is still good enough at this game to beat single coverage and even occasionally still take on that double team. I don't think he is the cornerstone of he can be the cornerstone of the defensive line, but I think he can come in and still do his job and still make impact plays. Yeah, I think he's still got at, at least three years. I'm hoping at least three years. We're hoping he's got three years in him. Uh, I I wanted somebody maybe a little bit bigger on the inside. Uh, you know, he's sitting at 300, 6'4", 300 right now. Um, but he plays big. He, he plays like a – And at the three technique, I think that's okay. I think where we really need to add some beef is at that nose tackle position. Last year we saw Jalen Smith having to take on a lot of blockers. And with his speed – he really needs to be running free sideline to sideline. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm fine with Gerald McCoy at the three technique. I'm fine with his size. I'm I'm fine with the fact that he still has something to give in this game and can still on a given play flip that switch and be the Gerald McCoy that we saw enter in the league so many years ago. And another thing on Malik Collins, you know, I was kind of upset to see him go uh, I feel like the money spent to sign him uh, in Las Vegas we could have done it here and my personal opinion could have just moved on from Crawford and I think that would have been better for our interior line I, I 
not a fan of Crawford. I think he he never lived up to the contract that we paid him. And to me, I think Malik Collins was a more impact player than Crawford has been since Malik has been there. Now, we'll say there is one player on that defensive line on the interior that we haven't discussed that I'm hopeful takes that next step and can be our nose tackle of the future, and that's Tristan. Yeah. It, I like Tristan Hill. I think uh, their biggest concern for whatever reason, uh, he didn't hit it off on Marinelli last year. Uh, I guess you can put that as kind of a red shirt season. Uh, but this is a clean slate. Yes, this is a clean slate. The whole new defensive system, whole new defensive coaches, everything. And if you saw him in college, he was very much attack upfield. He was a go get it kind of defensive lineman. He was a push the pocket, split the split the lineman, and go make the play. In yeah. Marinelli's system, it's it's a lot of hold containment and try to make the linebackers make the play. So I'm very intrigued, and I think if he can take that next step with him and McCoy together on the interior, take Lawrence, hopefully he reverts to two seasons ago when he was the NFL sack leader and then got that big contract. I'm hoping that those three are enough that we can find someone to pair opposite Tank Lawrence at the other defensive end position, and maybe he just has to beat one-on-one coverage. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about Hill myself because we really didn't get to see enough on tape last year. But his college tape. But his college tape. But, you know, college tape and NFL tape is two different things. I've, you base it off the college tape. But you want to see the college tape transition, transition to, the to the NFL. So I agree. And we we didn't get a chance to see that last year for whatever reason. And I'm like you, I'm intrigued, and I'm curious to see how well that he's going he's going to do. So I think there's a lot of potential on this defense. There's a lot of youth outside of Gerald McCoy. Most every outside of Gerald McCoy and Sean Lee, most everyone we've discussed is still a youthful player. And that's where this team's trying to go. We're trying to build with youth and we're trying to have this core together for the next couple of years to make a run, not just for the playoffs. I think I think Jerry is tired of just making the playoffs. I think if for a Super Bowl is what he's ready for. Um or even a deep run. You know, I think that's one thing Jerry said with this offseason. You know, he's he's going to invest because he wants us to take what we to take what we've seen and what we've seen work, and take it to the next level. Yeah. Um, I think that's what the hiring of McCarthy was all about. Jerry very much wants number six. We do too. <laughs> well, everyone wants to win the Super Bowl, but Jerry's shown in the past that he's willing to open up the pockets if he believes. We're there to make a run. And I think this team can make a run. Now, some guys have got to step up. Some guys have got to play to their true potential. And we need some players 
to maybe rise above that potential that maybe we thought we could get there. Yeah, that, that's more so on the defensive side. I, I, I think the offensive side is there. It's ready. We, we do need to show up that wide receiver three since we lost Cobb. But I think – The rest of the offense is ready to roll. But I, I also think if, you know, with Zeke back there and it comes time to kill the clock, I think the offense has all the pieces to do it. And that's going to help the defense. So if the defense can make that big play that we could never seem to get a year or two ago, you know, we're up four. And we get the ball back because of a turnover or a fumble. And it's four or five minutes left with that offensive line, with those weapons on offense, and especially with Zeke being able to – you know, slow a game down in the fourth quarter with his ability to create first con- first downs, take on first contact, and still create yardage after the fact. I think the the offense is ready to roll. It's can we get the defensive players to take that next step, or even in someone like Gerald McCoy and Tank Lawrence, can they revert to the player they were just a couple years ago? Well, you know, we kind of lost that last year as far as, you know, getting the ball back with four or five minutes left and being able to run it out. Uh, Kellen Moore struggled to adjust last year. For whatever reason, I don't know what he saw, but us as fans, we saw, uh, you know, third and two. You get the ball to Zeke. You don't try to pass it. You get the ball to Zeke. For whatever reason, you know, he did a lot of off-the-wall plays, and that's where Jason Garrett should have stepped in. And I think that is going to be fixed this year because I think McCarthy is going to say, hey, man, this was working. We need to do this. I think everyone's fearful with McCarthy and the fact that he loves to throw the ball. But, you know, if you look at, you know, those teams under Brett Favre where he was there, that was a team that always ran the ball and, and ran executed play action off the run. They they did that at the beginning of Aaron Rodgers' career. Well, people say they're fearful of that, but McCarthy's never had a Zeke in the backfield either. So, And this offensive line is still one of the better, better offensive lines in football. Yeah, so it... I think McCarthy is smart enough... To understand how this team is built to succeed. Yeah. So, moving forward, um, the things I'd love to see is the DAC deal to get wrapped up. And one impact player with that first-round pick, be it at corner or at defensive end, if, if, if someone drops or maybe we even have to move up a couple picks, if we can catch that impact corner or impact defensive line – I think this team's ready to make a run. What do you think, Seth? Yeah, I think it's ready. Uh, I'm like I'm I'm 100% on board with you. Whether it means risking it all and jumping up and go get that guy, or maybe we trade back and try to, you know, get some more depth, and maybe we still get lucky enough to land that guy that, whether it be corner or defensive end, that that's that impact player. I mean, only time will tell. Well. We'll just have to see as this offseason goes. And 
as things change and as deals get done and we will be here to keep you informed and a lot of exciting time coming up for agency still going we've got the draft coming up so we'll be here to keep you guys posted and also check out some of the other um back row network of podcasts um the giants are up and running the jets the patriots the eagles the browns the dolphins um that's hosted by Jeremy Barker. He is the one that opened up this idea of starting a whole network of 32 teams. And um, so check out any of those podcasts and please support them and um, support this podcast. Uh, Apple iTunes, subscribe and find our Twitter accounts and, and follow us there. We'll keep everyone posted on when we go live and kind of what we're going to be discussing moving forward. And, Seth, why don't you give everyone your Twitter handle? Hey, you can find me at, uh, at SethRob85. And I'm at A underscore Bo 615. And until next week, this has been the Back Row Cowboys Show. Have a good night.